Welcome to Checks and Balances. You're joined by James Blair, not Michael Vincent today. I've got Tim Edwards with us, the Managing Director, S&P Dow Jones Indice. Uh, Tim, great to have you here. Hi, great to be here. So you won't know this. I mean, maybe you are a Checks and Balances listener. Um, Mike and I have done about 130-odd episodes. First time I've gone solo without Mike. So I'm a little bit nervous today, a little bit unusual for me, but good to have a co-pilot. Well, wishing you the best of luck. <laughs> so um, the, the first piece is probably tell us a little bit about S&P Global. Everybody knows S&P 500, but what does S&P Global do? Sure. Um, so S&P Global is the, uh, the parent organization. Um, and under S&P Global, there's a few different divisions uh, that do different activities, all related to the concept of data uh, in the finance markets. Um, so I work for S&P Dow Jones Indices. Uh, and you might have guessed already, we, we do indices. So we calculate um, over 100,000 indices every day covering, yes, uh, large cap US equities with indices like the S&P 500. Uh, we also have partners around the world that we work with. So it's, uh, for example, uh, one of our valued uh, partners is the New Zealand Stock Exchange. And it is uh, in collaboration with them that we have the S&P NZX50, S&P NZX20, uh, and we have a, a range of uh, other exchange partners around the world. So that's us. That's what we do. We, we, we do indices. S&P Global itself also has some uh, other businesses that um, just really quickly. So probably the most famous one is a bond rating division, S&P Ratings. Um, so they, they measure and rate the credit of uh, bond issuers around the world. Uh, and there's a couple of other divisions as well um, that you know, if you want to, we can go into. But I work for the index business. Yes. Okay. So that's, I mean, there's a lot of data in there, right? <laughs> there is there is an awful lot of, of, of uh, information in indices. It's not just equities. Uh, so we also cover fixed income markets around the world, commodities, so uh, your listeners might have heard of the, the GSCI, which is a major broad-based commodity index. Uh, and we also have indices for uh, you know, more esoteric things like even volatility. So the VIX, yep. the volatility index, uh, so based on the S&P 500, um, is another one of our, the indices that we, we calculate in partnership with, with an exchange. In this case, the Chicago Board Options Exchange. So in terms of the, the, the purview that we have, uh, it is to measure markets all of them globally, um, and to help investors to benchmark their portfolios. You know, are you doing well? Mm. Let's compare you to something that represents the market opportunity set. Um, they're sometimes used for, for trading vehicles, so the underlying for things like futures and options. Um, but perhaps most prominently, our indices also have been selected by uh, various fund companies as the basis for index funds, i.e. Uh, investment products that rather than try and beat the market, just track them off. Mm, okay, I'm definitely keen to jump into that. And we could probably talk about S&P Global all day, but I'm keen to pr pick your brain with uh, all the knowledge that you have. And we're gonna be doing a couple more episodes, so please make sure to subscribe as well so you can see the other episodes that will drop soon. The first question I've got is, you mentioned there's hundreds of thousands of indices. Why is the S&P 500 so popular? Uh, that's, that's a good question. It wasn't the first uh, major US equity index. In, in fact, um, it, is, it is a much younger sibling. Um, so the, the name of the company, just to emphasize one word, and it's just S&P Dow Jones Indices. Uh, and Charles Dow actually built the world's first equity index back in 1886. Uh, publishing the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, 
often just known as the Dow. Uh, so that's that's the oldest one. The S&P 500, in relative terms, is, is a youngster. Uh, it began in its modern incarnation, so with 500 stocks publishing every 15 seconds um, in 1957. Mm. And for most of its early life, uh, it was just a, a shorthand for the US equity market. You know, is the market up or down today? Uh, well, let's just have a look. What did the S&P 500 do? Compared to its older brother, the Dow, it was, what, it was 500 stocks rather than just 30. It covered the whole uh, marketplace rather than just industrials. Um, and I think that the first thing is that actually it is super convenient to have an index that just tells you in one summary point what happened on the, on, on the New York Stock Exchange today. Was it good or was it bad? Um, and the S&P 500 initially was, was just that. It was an indicator. Um, but all this started to change uh, about 50 years ago. Um, uh, the first thing to happen was a gentleman by the name of, of uh, Jack Bogle um, sadly passed away, but um, uh, more, most famous perhaps is, is the founder of an investment company called Vanguard. Uh, and in the early 70s, um, he was the first person to do something that at that time was, was revolutionary, which is rather than try and build a market-beating uh, uh, fund, um, they launched an index fund tracking the S&P 500. About a decade later, uh, you had the first future tracking the S&P 500 options. And today, there are hundreds of different kinds of products that track uh, the, the S&P 500 in, in various different ways. It remains a premier gorge, gauge, probably the most well-known gauge of, of the largest equity market in the world. But it also has, I mean, essentially, you can actually... Uh, trade in the terms of you know, futures and options uh, you, you, and, and ETFs lifted, listed in, say, for example, Australia, you can trade the S&P 500 pretty much 24 hours a day. Mm. Uh, and there's just a, a vast ecosystem, a community who use the S&P 500 in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, and it's so it, it's, it's sort of additive. It's when you add it all up, that's the relevance of the S&P 500. And it's super convenient for, for, for investors. Um, I mean, that might may go on a little bit, you know. Why, why should that matter to you? Mm. Like if you're, if you, if you're, let's say you, 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 what you plan to do is you're going to buy an index fund, you're going to wait forty years and then you see if you get rich. Mm. Why would it matter to you that there are futures and, and all these other people trading it twenty four hours a day? Well, here's why it matters, and it is really unique to a popular index like that, like the S and P five hundred. So if you, the, the moment you enter your investment in an S and P five hundred tracker. You can check the price that you got when you came in versus a number that's reported in most major newspapers and is updating every 15 seconds on most business news television programs. Then you forget about it. You go away. And what happens is in the meantime, every single tick in that index, every addition to that index, every deletion from that index, any change in the rules, the highs, the lows, are scrutinized by an army of trading professionals looking for mispricings, looking for opportunities. And so you thought this whole time that you've forgotten about it, there's a, literally an industry of professionals scrutinizing everything that happens in that index. And then when you come back, whatever it is, 20 years later, uh, hopefully the S&P 500 will still be popular in that time. And you will also be able to, after 20 years, be able to check your performance versus a number quoted to you live on business television. Uh, that level of transparency is un. Paralleled. Mm. 
Do you think, so when I talk to somebody with maybe uh, quite low financial literacy, a lot of the time they'll still invest in the S&P 500 because somebody's told them about it, they'll have a DIY account. So that's their kind of default, I want to invest, that's where they put their money. Do you think it's overused as an index for a beginner or, or maybe even part of any portfolio opposed to something like the Dow or even just you know the US being the powerhouse they were historically and still a very big deal opposed to to other countries around the world. Yeah, I mean, look, it is. It is. There's a few different uh, questions in there actually, um, but let me see if I can unpack them. So, so first of all, um, one of the unusual things about uh, you know the S and P 500, or, or more specifically, index-based funds tracking that, is it is an unusual circumstance where a genuinely institutional quality product is made available to even small retail investors. Um, and it, you could perhaps get a little bit more concerned if it was only retail investors who were, who were using this product, but it remains the case that the institutions with, you know, perhaps hundreds of people working to help them decide what is the best investment for them, they're still picking the S&P 500. And you're still benefiting from all those arbitrageurs and, and, and people scrutinizing the index. And so you do get, uh, you know, to benefit or to piggyback on that whole community by yourself, just a retail investor participating. Um, and so there were a few, other, there were a lot of other ideas that you, 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 you suggested with that question. But I think there's also an aspect of, um, is, it, uh, is it, are you perhaps missing an opportunity by only looking at the US and, and not looking at the rest of the world. Um, and I think there, you know, there is certainly some, some truth to that, actually. Um, diversification, generally having some things that go up while other things go down is, is something that makes just overall the process of investing a smoother path. I mean, diversification, generally speaking, is often a, a good idea. However, um, the US equity market is unusual in that Many of the companies listed in the US are actually essentially companies with global reach. Um, I mean, it, it, here in New Zealand, I see plenty, plenty of people using Microsoft products, using Apple products, using Google, using Amazon. Uh, you know, I could go on, but the, mm. the point is that those companies, although they are US based, they are truly multinational. Uh, and if you look at you know, many of the largest companies overall in the world are in the US. They have global revenue sources. So as well as, yes, having something of a, of a U.S. focus to them, um, in some sense, the U.S. is a, um, a shortcut to, to kind of global economic exposure. Great. Okay, Tim, I'm aware you're a very busy, busy man, so I want to do some quick-fire questions for you. Um, the difference between an index and an ETF, people use them as very interchangeable terms. Yeah. Should they be doing that? Uh, so uh, index and ETF or index fund and ETF? Is that? Index fund. Index ETF. Fund. Yeah, I mean, so uh, an ETF, uh, the, the ETF stands for exchange traded fund. So uh, it's an index fund that's also been listed on an exchange. There are a few other differences, but that's the main one. Okay, perfect. Uh, what about with the S&P 500? There's some big dogs in the S&P 500, which means they can carry a pretty heavy weighting. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the S&P 500, like a lot of other major indices, is uh, and again, you know, technical terminology, market capitalization weighted, right? So that's the terminology. What does it mean? Uh, it means that there is a larger weight in larger companies by uh, their market capitalization. And why do they do that? 
Now, here's, here's why. If you take all the money that's invested in each company and add it all up, right, you'll get the size of that company. If you add all those companies together and get all of the money invested in the stock market, so the overall, you say everything that everyone's invested in the stock market, there is more money in the biggest companies than there is in the smallest companies. Now, why would we weight our index like that? Is because what it gives you is it gives you a little carbon copy, a little tiny copy of the whole overall market. Now, that's really important because it means two things. First thing it means is when you, you, know, you say the S&P 500 is up 1% today, that means that in aggregate for all the investors invested in that, that universe, their total amount of money went up by 1%. So that's why it's a really handy shorthand. The other thing that's important about that is it also represents essentially the average performance. It's how did everybody do taken all together? And the reason that's important is because actually it turns out it's very difficult to be above average in US equity markets. Great. One last question for you, Tim, before we wrap it up. The average lifespan a company lasts in the S&P 500, in the 1980s it was 35 years, now it was 17 years with AI technology, the world changing faster than it's ever um, had before. What what do you think will happen in, um, in terms of the companies lasting in the S&P 500 going forward? Yeah, great question. Um, the, the pace of innovation is certainly uh, faster at the moment than, than it feels like it has been for, for quite some time. Um, and I think it is an interesting phenomenon. I, I would say that actually, if you go back over a really long time horizon, innovation has always been a feature of the capital markets. If you go back to, I would say, 1900, in 19, the turn of the last century, 63% of the US equity market was railroad stocks. <laughs> Today, railroad companies are still listed in the US, but they are a, a tiny fraction of the US equity That's a great market. stat. Yeah, and you know, there are the evolutions that the industries that lead, uh, that lead our economies do change over time. They do evolve. Um, at the point about that market capitalization weighting is as they evolve, the markets and the S&P 500 change with them. So that statistic you have about, you know, the average length of a company staying in there, I think it's it's kind of an indication or almost an ambient measure of well, what's the pace of innovation at the moment. Mm, okay. Well, Tim, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Uh, for those listening, this is a little bit different for us. So please give us some feedback. Let us know. And while you're there, also give us a review and we'll catch you next time.